Hey there, Mountaineers. I'm Sydney Wentz. And I'm Chloe Snodgrass. Welcome back to another episode of Are You Still Watching? So, Chloe, I'm very excited for this week's episode because it is one that when we were brainstorming this podcast, we were both very, very adamant had to be our first kind of conversational piece. So we are going to be doing the ultimate smackdown of 90s sitcoms, (laughs) Friends versus Seinfeld. I'm going to be arguing for Team Friends. And I'm going to be arguing for Team Seinfeld. So I'm going to start with our round one, which is the overall premise. So the premise of Friends is six 20-something friends living in New York City, going through life events and transitions while leaning on each other. The iconic theme song, I'll Be There For You, is very fitting for these show because they have done everything together for the 10 years of the show's run. Now, um, the premise for Seinfeld is that basically it is the show about nothing. You know, it's been called the show with no plot. It revolves around Jerry Seinfeld playing a version of himself and he's like a struggling stand-up comedian along with his best friend George Costanza, his ex-girlfriend turned friend Elaine Bennis, and his wacky neighbor Cosmo Kramer. The show really just follows the four of them and their lives through their jobs, relationships, and the crazy circumstances they find themselves in. And they are also kind of known as being like terrible people. So I really do, I love both of these shows. I would like to preface this. We yeah, both yes. discussed this <laughs> in the entire conversation. We both love both of these shows. My family are celebrators of Festivus. Yes. We dedicate the entire 23rd. We play the board game. There's a board game. Yeah. But I think the thing that makes both of these shows very similar is they do kind of follow that like 90s sitcom trope. Yes. Which- of the friends living in a yeah. city they all live in these small these beautiful apartments that they could not afford with their like very like artistic and creative and like strange jobs mm-hmm. like the only person the only two people in friends that i feel could have actually afforded the places they lived in were ross because he was a scientist yeah. and chandler because he was working a i can't remember if he was an accountant or right. if he was in sales well, that's like the whole joke is that no one really knows what chandler does but he has some kind of job exactly there's also like a very wacky storyline thrown in about how Monica got the apartment from her, her grandmother. grandmother. If anyone asks, she was like an 80 year old swinger. Right. Um, so that's what I wanted to get into next is the characters. That is what made Friends Friends, in my opinion, was yeah. not only the characters, but the people that they were played by mm-hmm. were so perfectly put together. And I'm going to continue to reference it the whole time. It's going to be my main argument for why I think Friends is better. Is if you've seen the 20-year reunion on HBO Max, they go into how many Rachels and how many Chandlers and Joeys they saw before they were able to put together that perfect ensemble of those six people. Yeah. So Rachel, who is portrayed by Jennifer Aniston, is kind of a daddy's money turned independent woman. The show starts with her running away from her wedding to dentist Barry. Barry then ends up marrying Mindy, who is the maid of honor in their wedding that never happened. Rachel very much does have, she very beco- she very much kind of becomes like that, not in a sense of her being ugly or anything, but like the ugly, du- the ugly duckling to the swan very much in her character development. She is very insecure and relying on her parents. She's very youthful despite being in like her mid to late thir- 20s when the show starts. And she blossoms into this very independent, strong businesswoman in the fashion industry. She works various fashion jobs, um, including Bloomingdale's and many other fashion jobs in that area. Monica, who is portrayed by Courtney Cox, is an OCD neat freak chef. She is Ross's sister. 
her and Rachel were high school best friends, and that is how Rachel stumbles upon them in Central Perk, starting the storyline of the show. Chandler is the goofy, sarcastic guy next door. Like Chloe mentioned, no one ever really knows what Chandler's job is, but from what it seems in the show, he is able to make a decent sum of money to live in an apartment in New York with just one roommate. And that roommate is Joey, portrayed by the lovely, I'm a very big fan of yours, Matt LeBlanc, who is a flirtatious, naive Italian actor with sisters that all have about the same four names combined together. I believe there's seven of them. Next, I'm going to get into Ross, who is Monica's brother. He has had a crush on Rachel since high school, and him and Chandler went to college together. Ross is an archaeologist, and he is very much the smart but confused one. Ross is known for his many divorces and the child of which he fathered with two lesbians. Phoebe is an aloof, free spirit flower child, but she does have a very deep and in-depth storyline. Phoebe came from a difficult childhood. Her father, her stepfather was in and out of prison. She never knew her real father and her mother committed suicide. She also has a poor relationship with her twin sister, Ursula, who is also perfectly portrayed by Lisa Kudrow. Like I said before, I don't even think I really need to argue for this one. I truly do think I win. You could not have put a better six people together. There's always the articles from people and that like pop up in your Snapchat ads. Like these actors were asked to be on Friends. You could have not made a better six people because they understood each other. They were friends in real life. They all still talk to this day, as you can see Mm -hmm. in that reunion. And they've worked on other projects together. I know Matthew Perry was in a few episodes of um, Courtney's show Cougar Town that was on ABC for a few years. I know that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Matt LeBlanc have done some work together. Same with Matt and Courtney. They've just continued to kind of build their career around each other and they do credit it to friends. No, I definitely agree that, like, again, like, Sydney said earlier, I do love both of these shows. I love Friends. I do think it is very hard to argue the characters because Friends, like, they really are friends in real life and they really do get along really well and you can tell by their chemistry on screen. And before I start, I would like to say that I'm an extreme Lisa Kudrow stan. Uh, I love her. I think she's a comedic genius. Her show Web Therapy, who all the other Friends cast members have been on, it's absolutely amazing and it's like completely um, improvised. I love that show so much. So but, you're saying I win? Um, I mean, go home. <laughs> no, not quite. Maybe on this one, yes. Um, so for characters for Seinfeld, um, we have Jerry Seinfeld, who plays Jerry Seinfeld. He is the main character, and like the rest of the group are friends because of him. And the whole show, you know, mainly revolves around Jerry. And um, you can tell that by um, each episode starts with a clip of Jerry doing stand-up. Then we have George Costanza, played by Jason Alexander, and he has been Jerry's best friend since high school. I would say George is an acquired taste. He is conniving and stingy, and he's jealous of other people's achievements, and he often lies about his job. Um, But by the end of the show, he's actually in a job that he likes, and he is the assistant to the traveling secretary of the New York Yankees. Then we have Elaine Bennis, who is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She is Jerry's ex-girlfriend turned friend. She is sarcastic, selfish, unorganized, but overall friendly. 
And um, at the beginning of the show, she starts off working at Pendant Publishing, but then later works as like a glorified assistant for Jay Peterman and his catalog. Um, now I'd like to talk about um, like kind of the beginning of Seinfeld. When Seinfeld started, it aired on July 5th, 1989, um, with just the three guys as their whole main cast. But after realizing that they were probably gonna need a female lead in the um, ensemble, creator Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld got to work trying to find their lane. And that's when Julia Louis-Dreyfus came into the picture because Larry David had worked with her on SNL. So then the show, you know, like regrouped, and the show's second episode aired May 31st, 1990, with all four main characters. Um, and then the last main character is Cosmo Kramer, who's played by Michael Richards. He is Jerry's neighbor and is what you would call eccentric. <laughs> um, between his hair, his humor, and his clothes, he is a specific type of quirky. He never really has a job, but always seems to have money and always has a new idea for some wacky scheme. The thing I would like to mention you made some good arguments for Friends, so I'll make one for Seinfeld, is the side characters oh. of mm-hmm. Seinfeld yeah. are amazing. Yeah, they really are. Frank and Estelle yeah, are phenomenal yeah, they characters, are. and they they make their way through the show. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's characters in, like, characters like Frank and Estelle that yeah. make a show. Yes, you love that main ensemble, right. but you cannot help but smile when you see those certain iconic characters yeah. make their way onto screen. Now, I would say, like, one of the shows that does that best is, I know we'll talk about it later, spoiler alert, but Parks and Rec have some of the best side characters and recurring characters, like, of all time. Well, we'll talk more about that later. The Office also has Tom Packard. We will, in fact, get into that. So next, we are going to start going into what we called star power. So who are the notable guest stars that basically most of these people made their way into television Mm -hmm. with Friends? Some of them have had careers before, but their appearance on Friends left an impact on the show. So I want to start with two of the more iconic and long-term uh, major guest stars who are Paul Rudd, who played Mike, who becomes Phoebe's husband in the final season, spoiler alert, um, and Tom Selleck, who is a friend of Monica and Ross's parents, who ends up dating Monica on again, off again for, I believe, two or three seasons. Both of them are very big names. I know Tom Selleck made an appearance in the reunion Paul Rudd has obviously had a skyrocketing career. If you haven't seen Ant-Man or any MCU movies, I apologize. Next is Brad Pitt. He is in the Thanksgiving episode, and he is the his character is known as being the president of the I Hate Rachel Green Club. Rachel apparently ignored or was mean to Brad Pitt's character in high school. And um, Ross was discovered to also be a member of this very notorious club. The next is Julia Roberts. She was in, I believe, one or two episodes. Um, She slept with Chandler. And it was just a very iconic kind of moment um, in the show. Um, Christina Applegate and Reese Witherspoon respectively played both of Rachel's sisters in the show. It was one of Reese Witherspoon's first big Um, appearances that kind of skyrocketed her career and obviously she's become an amazing uh, notable Hollywood Oscar winner as you said Um, the next one was one that I was especially excited about 
Um, if you've seen ABC's The Goldbergs, um, and you've seen the flashback episode of Friends to what happened before Rachel was in the friend group and kind of like when Ross was going through his divorce and um, Phoebe was moving out of Monica's apartment. Chandler had a previous roommate before Joey and he was portrayed by Adam Goldberg, who is the creator, the narrator and star of ABC's The Goldbergs. Susan Sarandon, like Julia Roberts, had an iconic moment when she, um, her character slept with Joey. Um, a man, uh, Jennifer Coolidge made an appearance as Amanda, the annoying former roommate to Monica and Phoebe. They make fun of her picking up a fake British accent when they call her on the phone and calling it a mobile. One of my favorite appearances is John Favreau who in, I believe, one of, it was the earlier seasons, he plays Monica's uh, rich boyfriend. Um, I am a big fan of Jon Favreau, not just also like Paul Rudd because of his contributions to the MCU. If you have ever seen him, I'm going to throw out a Netflix show for everyone. The Movies That Made Us yeah. documentary series on how TV shows and movies were made. My favorite of the Christmas movies is Elf and Jon Favreau's involvement in the creation of Elf and how they got their inspiration from the Rudolph film and that style of animation and film. Um, I'm very, very interested in um, how John Favreau was involved in that. So I'm a big fan of him. And the last one I have is Anna Ferris. This was around the time of her appearance in Scary Movie and she plays the teen mom from Ohio who gives birth to Chandler and Monica's twins, Jack and Erica. Her character's name also happens to be Erica. Okay, so now for guest stars um, for Seinfeld, there's a few you know, recurring stars that I wanted to talk about. One being Wayne Knight, who plays Newman. He lives in Jerry's building. He's a postman and he's like Jerry's nemesis. Like they're always like you know competing with one, with each other. Whenever Jerry sees him, he always goes Newman. And then we have Jerry Stiller, who plays George's dad Frank. And um, Stiller has some very memorable quotes or phrases throughout his time on the show. Most notably being "Serenity now" when he like screams it. Oh, so good. And then there's Patrick Warburton, who played Elaine's on and off again boyfriend, David Putty, or just Putty. Um, and then throughout the show, Jerry and George had a significant amount of significant others. Jerry had 73 different girlfriends throughout the 172 episodes, and George had 47. Um, quite a few of those women, you know, went on to be famous, like Terry Hatcher, who was a little well-known before, but after Seinfeld, went on to do Desperate Housewives. And then Lauren Graham, who is most known for Gilmore Girls, and then even Friends' Courtney Cox played one of Jerry's girlfriends throughout the show. And then we have two groups of guest stars who went on to be future co-stars. We have Brian Cranston, Anna Gunn, and Bob Odenkirk, who all went on to star together in Breaking Bad. Then there is also Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally, who played Jerry and George's girlfriends, and they go on to be co-stars on Will and Grace. And then there are a few people who play themselves throughout the show's run, like Bette Midler, who Jerry is dating her understudy in Rochelle Rochelle, and she plays baseball with the gang. And then there is Marissa Tomei, 
who's also in the MCU. <laughs> The MCU will oh. not be the same without you in phase four. Oh my god, I cried so hard. So then there's Horsa Tomei, who George has a crush on, and Elaine, um, Elaine um, kind of got the in and could set him up on a date with her, but he is currently engaged to his girlfriend, Susan. And I kind of want to talk about the whole Susan thing because I remember when watching the show, it was, it shocked me, um, the whole Susan thing. So Susan is engaged to George. Um, they meet in season four. They date for a while and then he proposes and he doesn't really like her, but he's just kind of, you know, going with it because he feels like he needs, you know, a woman, I guess. And so when it's getting closer to their wedding and they um, are picking out um, invitations to send out, he picks the cheapest kind because, you know, he's, again, like I said, stingy. He does not want to pay for expensive invitations. So he buys really cheap ones. And so she's licking all the envelopes to send out to people. And literally from licking the envelopes, it kills her and she dies. Oh my gosh. I know. I was like, I felt like I had to bring it up because I felt like when I like watched the show, it was a very like kind of big moment at the fact that she died from licking envelopes. So on that note, <laughs> on that great note and great transition, we're gonna move into our fourth and final round which is overall impact of the show. So Friends had 10 seasons. It ran from 1994 to 2004, and it had 236 total episodes, four awards. It had won six Emmys, and Jen Aniston and Lisa Kudrow are the only two of the main six characters to win Emmys. The long list of iconic moments and we can discuss them <laughs> as we go. So there's two Thanksgivings with Monica and Ross going up against each other. Yeah. The first one I would like to discuss because it is the less iconic and the less of my favorite is the Geller Cup. Um, it's always a comfort episode. I go mm-hmm. back to around the holidays when I'm watching Friends and it is, there's like multiple storylines and the main one is Monica and Ross and their family, like the yeah. Gellers used to play a like casual football, like tag football game every right. Thanksgiving and they stopped playing when Monica broke <laughs> Ross's nose over the Geller Cup trying to win because as you know, it is in Monica's nature to be very competitive and always having to win everything. Yeah. The next one that I want to talk about Thanksgiving-wise with Monica and Ross going up against each other is Raw is Monica and Chandler's first Thanksgiving dating. Mm-hmm. And Monica has not told her parents that her and Chandler are living together. Yes. Ross has also not told his parents a fair few things. <laughs> the plot twist to it is Chandler is not very liked by Mr. and Mrs. Geller, and Chandler can't figure out why. It comes to be known to everyone that Mr. and Mrs. Geller think that Chandler was smoking pot in their house when Ross and Chandler were in college. Monica proceeds to go on a tangent about how Ross was the one smoking the pot. He used to steal his dad's Playboys. He hasn't been working at the museum for a year. Him and Rachel got married in Vegas and he got divorced for a whopping third time. And all of these other crazy things. Ross's rebuttals are my favorite. (laughs) My favorite being Hurricane Gloria didn't break the porch swing Monica did. Another iconic line from Mr. Ross Geller is we were on a break. 
Ross and Rachel are easily the most iconic will they, won't they couple in television history. Mm -hmm. I will not hear any ands, ifs, buts, or arguments about it. Um, and we were on a break is a very strong point in their relationship, oh, yes. which yeah. also covers a big controversy in the show, which was Ross's possible, maybe not, cheating on Rachel. The next iconic moment I wanted to mention is also relating to a, re a relationship, but a different relationship, and that is the London situation, and they don't know that we know, we know they know, um, concerning Monica and Chandler's secret relationship. Everyone thinks they're kind of fooling around. It's a casual thing, and Chandler has an outburst in a like setup moment with Phoebe where he admits that he is in love with Monica. It is then followed up by Ross showing his former boss his new apartment and showing him how he has gotten back onto his feet. We'll get into that point later. And he has an outburst screaming through the window, that's my sister. The next one I want to talk about, both of them pertain to Phoebe. The first is Phoebe's iconic music career specifically the song Smelly Cat. Um, the next is Phoebe and Mike finally getting married. Um, I've always said that I, I've never been the most keen on my own idea of getting married, but I, um, for a fact, know that I will be the Monica Geller wedding planner, maid of honor, with the headset in and the clipboard running around, bridesmaid down, broken arrow, <laughs> for at least two of my friends. Um, but Phoebe and Mike finally get married, and it is really a or like a very harmonious moment for the show because everyone's kind of grown with Phoebe. They've seen the show, despite its very like, comedic outlook on everything, tap into her difficult childhood and her final, see her finally be happy and start to get these beginnings of her family with Mike. The next one I wanted to talk about is the holiday armadillo. So the Gellers are Jewish and Ben comes home and he's very, very excited about Santa Claus coming. But Ross has to explain to Ben that because they don't celebrate Christmas, Santa won't be coming to them. So instead, he introduces a new tradition to Ben known as the Holiday Armadillo. My favorite thing about that is David Schwimmer dressed up as an armadillo. I believe they had a celebrity dress up in the outfit for the Friends reunion when they did okay. the little fashion show um, catwalk of all of the things. And that's what I'm going to get into next is also in that fashion show was Joey wearing all of Chandler's clothes bringing the iconic line, could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> the next one I want to talk about, all of these basically pertain to Ross. So Ross and Rachel have a child together. Her, little, her name is Emma Geller-Green. And then Ross in the first season basically kicking off the show is Ross is getting divorced from his wife because she has fallen in love with a woman. She has also become pregnant with her and Ross's child. That leads to a very interesting dynamic throughout the show of the two women and Ross co-parenting the child together. Their son's name is Ben. He is famously played by the Sprouse twins, Cole and Dylan, who go on to be in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Sweet Life on Deck, and I believe it is Cole that is yeah, in Cole's Riverdale. Riverdale. Cole's in Riverdale. The next one I wanted to talk about is the trivia game, specifically 
Chandler's TV Guide name. <laughs> they go through. Um, it is Joey versus Chandler. It is Joey and Chandler versus Rachel and Monica in a trivia game to see who gets Monica and Rachel's apartment. The boys end up winning because of the point of this question. Every month, the TV guide arrives to Chandler's apartment. <laughs> what is the name on the TV guide? Rachel responds very simply, it's Chandler Bing. The answer is Chenandler Bong. More <laughs> importantly, Miss Chenandler Bong. So the last big point I wanted to get into that I basically have a whole timeline of is the rise and fall of Dr. Ross Geller. Throughout the show, I feel that Ross is the butt of a lot of comedy, oh, yeah. but I, you could argue that every single one of the characters is. The writers of the show make a lot of stabs at mm -hmm. people that have OCD or like neat freak tendencies right. with Monica. Yeah. They kind of um, get into the point of people that have sarcastic tendencies, not knowing what to do in serious situations with Chandler. With Ross, they're kind of tapping into, and they do get serious about it at some points, at what it kind of looks like to really not have your life together in your 20s, even when you are married, successful, have kids, and have a job. Mm -hmm. I want to start with the situation with Ross's ex-wife and having a child with his ex-wife. I feel like it does become a very harmonious thing. Mm -hmm. Ross and his ex-wife's new partner do end up coming to an agreement in the end. They all end up being able to co-parent Ben together. The women end up getting married and he is very supportive of them being together and helping him raise their child. The same thing with Ross and Rachel, even though they are not together at the time, they do a good job of raising their children. I think they do make it a very good point in Friends that through these very different and unique methods of parenthood, every single person does become a better person by becoming a good parent. Right. And I love the line by Monica, we are taking them home because they are our children when Chandler is freaking out that there's two babies. Uh, I think it is really, really important to just show how long she had longed to be a parent, especially because she now had a niece and a nephew that she was very, very invested in. So going back to Ross, Ross meets a woman. She is from England. They go to get married. And when they are at the altar, Ross says Rachel's name, not Emily, I believe her name is, Emily's yeah. name. They end up getting divorced <laughs> shortly after they get married. Like I said, Ross goes through a lot of ups and downs in his relationship with Rachel. They end up together in the end of the show. Spoiler alert, not really if you don't know that at this point. <laughs> Go watch Friends. Yeah. Um, but the thing I kind of wanted to talk about was Ross's situation with the museum. Ross ends up being out of work for a little bit over a year, and I do think that that was kind of a very serious thing because you watch him not being able to afford an apartment. He moves in with, I believe, Joey and Chandler, and then he's able to get back on his feet. He ends up buying Ugly Naked Guy's apartment. Yeah. That leads to him seeing the situation with Monica and Chandler oh, yeah. when everyone else already knew, but Ross did not know. Um, but I think it was important for them to kind of tap into that side of Ross because it was his transition period. He was very much like kind of the butt of like the comical relief of, oh, Ross got divorced again. 
to like this very serious moment of like this is what it's like like turning a comedic twist on like this is honestly what it is like to be out of work especially when you're out of work for a very long time in a place like new york city in the 90s it wasn't very serious but it wasn't but it was a very common thing that a lot of people experienced especially in that time in your life when you're in that like mid to late 20s yeah so i really do feel like although it was a very long time Ross's storyline in itself is an, is an iconic moment altogether. He is honestly one of my least favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely more of a Chandler, Phoebe, Joey mm-hmm. kind of person. But I feel like without Ross, you don't get a lot of those very important and shaping moments that make friends friends. Right. So my final argument and my kind of final thing I wanted to get into was the longevity of Friends. You cannot argue that this show is still being watched, still being talked about to this day. Friends finally got its 20-year reunion on HBO Max, brought all of the cast back together. They read some very funny, iconic moments from the scripts of the show they got to sit on the set once again together um they all walked out of the door and down the fake stairs as they did um in the final episode it was just very nostalgic a very great thing for friends fans netflix got into a lot of flack when they finally took friends off friends was supposed to be taken off of netflix i believe on like four separate occasions and they were written to so much by fans that they kept renewing it for I believe it was like probably five or six years past its time frame that it was supposed to be streaming on Netflix. And finally, HBO Max picked it up. Another show that we are going to be getting into, spoiler alert, HBO Max also picked up Gossip Girl when it got dropped off of uh, Netflix. And um, Hulu picked up One Tree Hill, which is another show we'll be getting into. Well, now one thing before I start though, the whole thing, um, I read that, so in Friends, because of just off of reruns and um, streaming, the six main cast members make $20 million a year each, like separately, Not just surprising. off of, no, it's crazy. And by the end of the run, all six of them were making a million an episode, which is crazy and like unheard of. But yes, okay, so for my round four for Seinfeld. So like I said, Seinfeld ran from technically 1989 for one episode and then um until 1998 it had nine seasons and 172 episodes the final episode aired on may 14th 1998 and it is the fourth most watched series finale of all time with 76.3 million viewers another way to prove that they are all terrible people like i was talking about earlier and also spoiler alert um, the show ends with literally them all being in jail. The final shot is the four of them sitting, talking in a jail cell. Um, now for the awards. Throughout its run, Seinfeld had 50 Emmy nominations and 10 wins. Michael Richards and Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, both won for acting, and Jerry won for best comedy. Now, I cannot talk about Seinfeld and awards without going on my Julia Louis-Dreyfus Emmy tangent, so bear with me real, real quick. Um, so Julia Louis-Dreyfus holds multiple Emmy records. She has a total of 11 Emmys. She won eight for acting, three for producing. She won her first in 1996 
for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy for Seinfeld. She won again in 2006 for Best Actress in a Comedy for The New Adventures of Old Christine. And then she won six Lead Actress in a Comedy Emmys, six years in a row, for her show Veep. And that is when she won the three Producing Emmys for Best Comedy for Veep. Um, she is tied with Cloris Leachman for the most Emmy wins by any actor or actress, and she holds the record for most wins for one show, and the only person really to come close to her is Candace Bergen, who won five times for Murphy Brown. Also, I'll never get over the fact that she did not win for the seventh season of Eve because it was only on for seven seasons. She won six out of seven, so in the final season, before they started filming, she got breast cancer, so they took a year break and didn't film and then when they came back they filmed what is probably the best season of that show and then she didn't win and she didn't win and i was so mad i was at school and i was screaming and i was calling my mom because i was so mad that she did not win but it's okay it's fine now it's okay um a few iconic moments throughout the show um one is elaine's horrific dancing where she like weirdly like like i don't know like adjusts her arms like kicks out her legs and when julia louis dreyfus won the mark twain prize um a few years ago two of the presenters did the dance and then when she went up and got her trophy she went out there and did the dance too and it was hysterical another is the episode with the soup nazi where it's like if you don't follow his rules in his shop he takes the soup away and he goes no soup for you no soup for you no soup for you um not quite in a iconic moment um but one that i did want to talk about was um when jerry and george in within the show they create a show about themselves and about the four of them so they they show the whole process you know them pitching the show to nbc which is what seinfeld and friends aired on then them casting which is where we see a pre-law and order svu mershka hargitay audition for elaine the show also had like a lot of like iconic sayings, like I said earlier, with Jerry Stiller saying Serenity Now, and then the whole No Soup For You. But another one that I like is when um, Elaine goes yada yada yada, and they're talking about a date she went on, and George says, you, got, uh, you yada 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 over the best part, and she goes, no, I mentioned the bisque. Uh, classic. Um, its impact, I think that Seinfeld has definitely left its impact on society. Um, after the show ended, um, creator Larry David then had his own show, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, on HBO, and they did a little reunion. Nothing like the whole Friends reunion where they had like a whole thing about it, but they did get their own little reunion where um, on his show they brought back all the main cast members and they recreated their set and they did their own like little show. Um, the show also um, changed how sitcom stories were written and was like the dividing line for multi-camera sitcoms. Um, you see shows like Cheers and their multi-cam um, setup compared to like Modern Family's multi-cam setup, which I will also be talking about the whole multi-cam sitcoms um, next week. And then the longevity of Seinfeld, I think like Friends, you know, they have reruns and you can stream it on Netflix now before it was Hulu, now it's on Netflix. You know, you can buy Seinfeld merch in stores. Um, for those of you listening, um, you can't see, but I do have my Seinfeld shirt on. And then I do have another one at home that has all four of them on it. Um, you know, it's still a very popular show. People talk about it. They like it. And then there's also this thing called the Seinfeld curse, 
which after Seinfeld was over, the main cast had a hard time like finding success outside of the show. Um, but a few were able to break that. And I mean, even if they didn't really find success after, you know, they still have reruns and they still have streaming. And it's one of the most popular shows of all time. And so they can lean on that. <laughs> that was, there was a couple of things I wanted to mention from that. First off, something that everyone that is listening to this is going to learn very quickly about me that Chloe knows is my favorite movie in the entire world is <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Vacation. <laughs> and I don't care what anyone says because I love Chevy Chase and I watched every single season of Big Bang Theory and I truly do love Johnny Galecki. I think he's also an amazing comedic genius. But Julia Louis Dreyfus makes that movie yeah having that side plot of them being annoyed (laughs) stingy like bougie neighbors like that was what people thought like 20 year like 30 year olds like 32 year olds were like in the 80s and she is absolutely amazing in that movie and she has absolutely deserved everything that she has gotten for seinfeld and veep and I absolutely appreciate and I remember I remember hearing the, the news the day she announced she had cancer. I, yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like we've talked about it, especially with just recently when we did yeah. Golden Girls losing Betty White. There are people in Hollywood that you think are going to live forever and that are going to be invincible. Yeah. And she has always been one of those people for me. So hearing something like that was very shocking. Yeah. The next thing I want to get into, an iconic moment you did not mention that I mentioned before, I'm going to say it again. My family are staunch celebrators of Festivus. We watch the episode every 23rd. My dad, brother, and I play the board game. We have feats of strength. We air our grievances. That gets messy. And we have the pole. It is a Christmas decoration. It is a centerpiece on our kitchen table. We have the Festivus pole. And it is a literal, probably like two foot aluminum pole on a stand. And it is my favorite part of the holidays. We do like four days of holiday celebrations and we start on the 23rd and we go to like the 26th or 27th. And my favorite has always been Festivus ever since my dad introduced us to that Seinfeld episode. The other thing that I wanted to mention that you were talking about in terms of like cultural longevity of shows with that like multi-cam setup and it was definitely like I will agree that there will never be the argument that I will make for Seinfeld although I do agree that I think Friends has a longer cultural longevity is there is never going you could always make another Friends right you're never gonna make another show like Seinfeld right there will never be another show that's gonna make it that long on a network that is gonna survive like this test of this specific time like Seinfeld survived the 90s right you could make another sitcom today yeah about six people living in an apartment it's what most Disney Channel shows are <laughs> yeah. I hate to admit it it's the six friends dynamic like mm-hmm. the or like the three group I would love to get into talking about that in a show as well I think I would like to save that for Wonder Hill because it has more examples of it but that like two girl or two boy and one girl yeah um like the three friend dynamic with like the main character and the two side characters and the side characters fall in love like that is the main trope of most modern television yeah and i feel like they did have a lot of those in kind of both of the shows it was like friends it was everyone always thought 
Joey and Phoebe would be in love because Monica and Chandler were and Ross and Rachel were. Yeah. But I really did appreciate that they pulled in that side character of Mike and Paul Rudd to give Phoebe that happy ending because it, although it did kind of feed into the cliche, it saved it from the other cliche of all six of them are just going to end up falling in love. Right. But, um, I still love Phoebe and Joey. (laughs) That's like one of the things is that I wish I understand the whole thing about like not wanting all six of them together, but I so wish that they would have put Phoebe and Joey together still to this day. But I love Paul Rudd, and I do like Mike as a character, so, like, I've gotten over it a little bit, but I do love Phoebe and Joey. The other thing I did want to mention before we were um, done with this, now that you've mentioned bringing in a character like that, was, I don't know if you've ever seen this interview, and I can't remember, it was one of the Jimmys. It was Fallon or Kimmel. Okay. Uh, Courtney Cox was on the show talking about how when they were doing the live studio audience Mm -hmm. test they handed out a survey and asked how they felt about each of the characters because monica in the first episode goes on a first date but she sleeps with the guy after the first date Mm -hmm. and it's just like i really do feel like when we were talking about like what has and hasn't stood the test of time i feel like that is something that whether people would like to admit or not today would happen in a live studio audience today if mm-hmm. there was a like young adult or an adult comedy show going out on tv i still feel like we would ask questions even in this kind of what we would like to i think believe like an evolved culture and a less judgmental right. of things like that culture I feel like something like that would still happen because it is still, to this day, whether it's the 90s or the 2020s, Right. it's like, I hate to think about the fact that it's been 20 years since that show's been on air because I'm not even 20 yet. Right. (laughs) Um, But I just think it's one of those things that it's like, it's shocking that they would do that and you'd be like, oh no, I love that show. I love how they started the show. I would never think about that. And then you go back and you think about it and you're like... Especially, like, when my, my mom watched a clip with me, and she's like, yeah. well, it was the 90s. Right. That's what everyone always says. Well, it was the 90s. And I think that that was, like, a big thing with, like, they felt like it needed the female lead. Right. Well, no show about three dudes. Right. Like, a show with no plot about three, three men is not going to make it on TV. Especially these three men. <laughs> But that's the other thing, though, is I feel like with the cultural longevity of Friends, I hate, like, as much as I would like to believe the show could have survived without any of the characters, I don't think either of these shows could have survived without those core four characters. No, I agree. Yeah. Because, like, like, when we were saying, like, that they didn't have, like, an Elaine, there's, like, you know, in most sitcoms, they have the place that they go to to congregate and talk about their lives. Like, in Friends, it's Central Park. And in Seinfeld, they go to this little diner, and the whole thing was, like, they were going to make, like, the waitress at the diner, like, their female lead. But she was only going to be seen at the diner interacting with the guys there. And, like, that just doesn't work. Like, I get that it was, like, 1989, but you need a female lead, like, at least one, you know, really to, like, kind of Mm -hmm. round out the show. But, I mean, it's been done again and again and again in tv shows Mm -hmm. new girl is three guys and zoe deschanel playing jess day right it is and the same thing kind of goes 
no offense to the people on New Girl, Winston, Schmidt, and Nick could have not had their own show right. without Jess. Yeah. But in the same way, New Girl could have been a show with Zoe De Chanel. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to argue for the female strength in comedy oh. here. Oh. On all TV shows. Oh. Because Lisa Kudrow could have had her own show. Um, Zoe De Chanel could have had her own show. And Julia Louis Dreyfus could have had her own show. Yeah. If Seinfeld was different, I think Jerry Seinfeld could have had his own show. He right. is a comedic genius. Yeah. But if it was going to be the show that Seinfeld is, it wouldn't have made it. Right. I if agree. New Girl was going to be a show without Jess, I don't think it would have made it. Yeah. Now, speaking of um, females and sitcoms, again, I will talk about this more next week. Um, but I have this list, and it's called Chloe's Queens of Comedy, and um, Lisa Kudrow is on my list. Um, and then I have my top three, and which is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Amy Poehler, and then Megan Mullally. And um, I think, and throughout my life, I have looked up to these females in comedy, um, you know, for like the majority of my life. And so I do think that it is like a very it's a great thing to mention, like how in these shows, it wouldn't have been the same without them. And again, I'll talk about that more next week in the history of sitcoms. So with that wonderful transition, I'm going to let all of you know that we will be back in, I believe, two weeks for Chloe to do her first solo show where she'll be covering the history of sitcoms. That's all for now, Mountaineers. We will see you next time for another Are You Still Watching? Listen to Are You Still Watching at thedaonline.com slash podcasts or wherever you stream podcasts.